Welcome to the CSP Collaborative. My name is Luke Brady, President of Community Savings Bank, and I'm excited to host this episode of the CSP Collaborative. Today I'm happy to have Luke Kearns here with us. He's a co-owner of the Edgewood Locker, and he's here to talk about the Edgewood community, entrepreneurship, and of course, the Edgewood Locker. Luke, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Glad to be here. Luke, to start off, would you like to share with our listeners who may not be familiar with the Edgewood Locker, the products and services you offer? Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, so we are a meat processor. Uh, you know, in our name is the word locker. Uh, and so that's a term maybe a lot of folks might not really be familiar with other than, uh, you know, at, at high school, you've got your locker along the wall where you keep your stuff. And um, I guess really the, that term is because when the locker was started in 1966, uh, we had uh, places to keep your stuff, your meat, uh, in the freezer uh, because you might get a beef processed um, at the locker, uh, at the Edgewood Locker in this case, and uh, you didn't have a deep freeze at home, so you'd come in every week or so uh, to, to pick up what you needed for the week uh, to make your meals. So, um, But we no longer have lockers to rent. Um, so we are the Edgewood Locker, but we don't rent out lockers. Uh, we are a meat processor, as I said just a second ago. So uh, what, what does that mean uh, when we're a meat processor? So we're not a, a big packing plant like a, a JBS or an IBP or a Tyson or someplace like that. You know, those places are going to process in 30 minutes um, what we're going to process in a whole month. Uh, so we're on a, a much smaller scale. Um, but we do process beef, hogs, a few lambs and goats. Uh, as well as a lot of deer. Uh, and the vast majority of that, uh, the slaughter that we do, or the harvest that we do at the Edgewood Locker is custom processing. So when I talk about custom processing, I mean uh, someone raised an animal, they bring it to us, we process it for them. So we turn that live animal into a bunch of packages of meat. They take it home, feed their family. Uh, so that's a little over half of what we do. Uh, and then the other half or so of what we do is our retail and wholesale business. Uh, retail is, is pretty straightforward. That's just the products that we sell off our shelves, similar to a grocery store. And then um, the wholesale business has kind of happened by accident, but that's where we're offering those same products that are on our shelves, but we're selling them uh, to grocery stores, convenience stores, places like that, uh, that are turning around and selling those products to their customers. That leads me into the next question. Uh, great segue. Uh, it seems that every day the Edgewood Locker has products that are available at a new retailer. How many locations are you currently serving and where? Yeah, so uh, we're providing our products to about 100 different locations, all within 120 miles or so of Edgewood. And really that, that's grown within the last couple of years. Um, because we've started delivering uh, with refrigerated delivery vehicles. And so, uh, you know, we've gotten into a lot of larger retailers than what we were in previously. So places like uh, Hy-Vee or Dollar Fresh stores, which are a division of, of Hy-Vee. But we're also uh, in a lot of, uh, you know, small, single location um, family businesses. Uh, there's plenty of examples um, you know, as close by as, as Manchester or Al-Qaeda here to Edgewood and, and some as far away as, um, West Liberty, uh, or Davenport. We, we have some locations there as well. Well, that's great. Um, when you walk into the store at the Edgewood Locker, you notice all the awards hanging on the walls. How have you won so many awards on your meat quality over the years? And how do you continue to maintain the highest quality as you grow? Yeah, so we're, we do have a lot of awards hanging on the wall, and, and we're pretty proud of those. And uh, honestly, I will take uh, little to zero credit uh, for any of those because I'm not the one uh, making the sausage uh, or, or 
producing the product. And uh, so really, really, it boils down to, uh, you know, in the beginning, uh, my grandparents, Tom and Joan, and, and the effort that they put into developing new products and uh, also being involved with the different associations where we entered those products in the contest, whether that's the Iowa Meat Processors Association or American Meat Processors Association. Uh, there's also a contest at the Iowa State Fair. And so I, I credit them for getting our business involved uh, with those organizations and the contests. Uh, and then beyond that, um, you know, it's, it's really uh, the folks in our, in our business that are focused on those new products and then just the employees doing the work. Uh, at the end of the day, we can come up with all kinds of great recipes, uh, but if we don't execute and, and make those products the right way, uh, we're not we're not going to do very well, but um, you know we we've been very pleased with how we've done in the last few years. Just this year, we brought home I forget the exact number, but I think it was five awards from the national uh, convention this summer. Wow, that's awesome! Um, just like Community Savings Bank, the Edge Locker, as you mentioned, is a, a truly a family-owned business. Uh, would you tell our listeners a little bit more about the overall history of the Edge Locker? Yeah, I'd love to. It's it's a good family business story, I think. So uh, my grandparents, Tom and Joan Kearns, uh, were dairy farmers just outside of town here a couple miles, uh, and it was 1965, and uh, they were on a rented farm, and one of the barns happened to burn down. And uh, there was some sort of a disagreement with the landlord at the time, or a misunderstanding, and uh, the locker happened to be for sale in downtown Edgewood. And so uh, Tom and Joan said, you know what, we're going to stop milking cows and we're going to start cutting up cows. And so they moved to town and uh, the rest is history. So they operated out of that little store in downtown Edgewood about where the grocery store is now um, for a few years. And then they had an opportunity to buy the creamery on the north end of town uh, not too many years after. And so they did that and remodeled that creamery into a meat processing plant and then operated out of there for a number of years and uh, then in the 70s my dad Terry and my uncle Jim uh, had the opportunity to uh, join the business so they both started right out of high school and it wasn't too much longer after high school that uh, Tom and Joan gave them the opportunity uh, to buy in which uh, I think was a pretty important moment in history because a lot of other small meat processing plants around uh we're encouraging their kids not to join the business or we're asking themselves why would you let your kids uh have a stake in the game that was an important moment uh when terry and jim were able to buy into the business in the late 70s uh early 80s there and then uh, i guess a little more history you know the business really grew throughout the 80s and 90s uh with really focusing on uh catering was one segment of the business. And then deer processing was another segment of the business that they grew throughout the years. We've since sold the catering. But uh, I guess then in a little bit more recent history, uh, we've added the third generation. And so somewhere around seven, eight years ago, my sister Katie uh, took the opportunity after college to, to join the business and, and come back. And uh, she became an owner within a few years of, of coming back. A few years later, uh, Payson and Bailey, who are two of Jim's kids, took the opportunity to uh, to come back to the business and uh, shortly after uh, bought some shares of the business from Jim and Jody. And then about three years ago, uh, I left my career and came back as well. So I'm the oldest of the third generation, uh, but I'm also the newest owner of the third generation at the Edgewood Locker. Wow, all those generations that 
at once. Do you guys, uh, how do you work together with those uh, different generations working in the business all at, at one time? We never have disagreements. No, I that <laughs> that's uh, that's a lie. But you know the the good thing is uh, you know we're able to have conversations and and respect different points of view, and uh, all leave um, you know and and not hold. Uh, I guess just get along. You know we might have different perspectives on how we address a certain challenge we're facing. Uh, or what direction we want to go, or, or maybe some minute issue, uh, but we really just bring ourselves back and kind of look at our strategic vision. Which way do we want to be running? And we come to an agreement on on how we're going to get there. And uh, you know, we we just uh, get along quite well. It's quite remarkable, really. That's great. Um, earlier, you mentioned that you left your career and uh, came back to Edgewood. Uh, so for a while you were out of the area and eventually you came back and, uh, you're in the business now, uh, please share a little bit about your journey with our listeners for those who may not be familiar with you. Sure. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, so I graduated from Edgewood Colesburg here in 2003 and, uh, all through when I was a young guy growing up, my my plan was to work at the Edgewood locker and never really thought anything of it, but, uh, I was always pushed that I needed to go to college. So I thought, well, I don't really want to go to a four-year college. That's my not my style. I don't like school. So I'll just go to Kirkwood for a couple years, and then I'll check that box, and then I'll come back. And so that was my plan, um, plan to do that. And then after being at Kirkwood for a little while, um, I was dating a girl at the time, not the one I'm married to now, but uh, that particular girl at the time wanted to go to college in Dubuque. And so I thought, well, I guess uh, maybe I'll follow her there uh, rather than going back to the locker right now. So that's what I did. I uh, transferred from Kirkwood after two years uh, over to Loris College in Dubuque and um, ended up graduating there in 2007 uh, with a bachelor's degree in uh, marketing and management. Uh, while I was in Dubuque, uh, I picked up a couple different jobs that uh, kind of uh, helped shape my path or, or guide me along the way. One of them was at a, uh, a business where they, they buy in truck chassis and they buy in tanks and they buy in pumps and those trucks go around and pump out septic tanks or uh, porta potties, that sort of thing. And so uh, that was a great job because I, I love trucks and tractors and all that kind of thing. And so uh, I enjoy that. I didn't care for it so much when one came in for repair. I usually let somebody else handle working on a, a dirty uh, septic repair truck. But uh, that kind of led me then to an opportunity that I saw in the newspaper in Dubuque there, uh, where at John Deere Dubuque Works, they were looking for uh, some folks to work on writing their installation instructions and technical manuals, just part-time uh, contract. And so uh, I've been kind of a, a John Deere farm equipment, construction equipment nerd since I was a little kid. And so that really uh, interested me. And so I applied for that and, and got that job uh, writing instructions, which is kind of ironic because I'm one of those guys that doesn't ever read instructions. Uh, however, I was writing instructions uh, on how to put on field kits and things like that. And so I just loved working with the equipment. Uh, that that uh, was just something I really enjoyed a lot. And then uh, that led to me looking for opportunities to stay with John Deere after college. You know, at the time, um, I'd kind of, the desire to go right back to the locker had faded a little bit. I was interested in uh, just big iron, uh, construction equipment, ag equipment, didn't matter. Uh, and so I landed a position working with uh, self-propelled forage harvesters in Ottumwa. 
Um, never really had planned to move to Ottumwa, but uh, moved there anyway. And so I uh, spent a couple years in Ottumwa doing that. Moved to Kansas City area, spent a year there uh, calling on dealers, um, kind of the smaller dealers in John Deere's dealer channel on the ag side from Nebraska down to Texas. Then uh, only did that for a year and moved to the Quad Cities then. And uh, I did our global planning on our hay and forage equipment, uh, just uh, really planning out where we needed to be and what products we needed to have in the market, what features those products needed to have globally. And so I had the opportunity with that job to travel all over the world, uh, whether from Africa, Northern Africa, to Europe, to South America, China, uh, Singapore, uh, Canada, uh, pretty much every, any place on the planet other than Antarctica, um, had the opportunity to visit with that job. So saw a lot of different, uh, businesses, saw a lot of different ways to produce food and, um, really set me up for my next position with John Deere, which was, uh, as a territory sales manager in central Iowa, north central Iowa, lived in Ankeny, uh, called on some of the larger dealerships in, in that area and saw some of them through some significant growth phases, uh, one of my larger dealers I started calling on when they had five locations, and by the end they had 23 ag locations as uh, I worked with them to acquire uh, and in some cases merge with other smaller dealers. And so uh, did that for five years. Sorry, this is becoming a book. And then uh, the last <laughs> right. uh, the last couple of years uh, I was focused um, in the Quad Cities, so I moved to the Quad Cities and uh, – was focused on different advanced technology projects. So kind of bleeding edge sort of projects. Uh, one example that maybe folks can relate to is there's technology on your car uh, where if you back up, uh, it has artificial intelligence capabilities to tell if it's seeing something behind you that's a shadow or it's a flower pot or if it's a person and it will behave differently in some cases uh, actively break based on uh, that that image technology through artificial intelligence. So I worked on a project like that uh, with construction equipment, and some of those features are in the market today. Also worked with a number of uh, kind of bleeding edge ag related projects as well. Wow, that's a, that's quite the history. You have a lot of experience out there. Back to the Edgewood Locker topic. I hear a lot of people uh, visiting Edgewood Locker, and I know when I go out there, I always like to look and see where they're from on their license plates. Um, could you give us a little insight into uh, what they visit when they get to the Edgewood Locker and what the tour is like? Yeah, you know, uh, we are kind of proud of the fact that we can bring in folks from uh, quite a distance uh, to come visit us. And, uh, you know, they might, they might come for different reasons. Uh, if it's our retail products, you know, we'll see people typically come an hour. Uh, you know, we get a lot of folks that'll make the trip from, say, Cedar Rapids or Dubuque or, or Waterloo and, and stock up on some of their favorite meats. And uh, deer processing, I would say we draw from a wider radius because um, we are the largest processor of deer in Iowa and uh, one of the largest, if not the largest in the country in terms of the number of whole deer we process. Uh, the variety of products that uh, we offer is, is greater than most, and we also feel our, our quality and our taste is uh, top-notch. So anyway, we, we draw in deer customers. Uh, you know, it's not unusual to have a deer customer come from a couple, two, three hours away. Uh, we draw in, you know, most of our customers are from Iowa, but we'll get a pretty good batch of deer from Wisconsin, Illinois, uh, and Minnesota as well. 
Um, and then our custom beef and pork processing customers, uh, probably a little bit smaller radius, generally within a half hour or so. Uh, but certainly we have a few that are coming a couple hours uh, for us to process their beef or hogs. Uh, and as far as what they see when they come to visit, uh, you know, we're, we're really proud that, uh, you know, we, we had one of the nicest facilities in the state up until this year. Uh, and now we just spent uh, eight, nine million dollars on uh, a new expansion project. And uh, we've got a now for sure top of the line meat processing facility. Uh, and so uh, we like the opportunity to show off that, that new building. We're still in the middle of remodeling our, uh, our original building uh, out on the west edge of town there in Edgewood. But uh, I think a lot of folks are uh, pretty impressed with what they see, how we've invested in our facility, how we're ensuring that uh, from a food safety perspective, we're covering everything we possibly can to provide the safest, most wholesome meat products uh, possible. That's great. Um, over the last few years, it's been a little crazy. Uh, we know that people are struggling, struggling to find processors for their meat. How did that affect Edgewood Locker, and is it still an ongoing issue? Yeah, uh, it, it certainly is an issue. Um, so if I kind of go back in time to March of 2020, uh, and we looked at our booking schedule, uh, when I say booking schedule, I looked at our schedule for what animals we have coming in uh, to fill our work. So what beef and hogs are coming in for custom processing. And uh, we looked to the end of March and our schedule was pretty light, like maybe half of uh, what would have been a full load. And so we were trying to get creative to come up with ways to keep everybody busy or figure out how we were going to, uh, cut back on our staffing levels. Uh, and we've never laid people off. And so that wasn't really an option, but anyway, uh, things changed really quick, uh, when COVID hit. And so we went from not being sure how to keep people busy to, uh, within, a week or two, we were full for all of 2020. And then if you went another month uh, down the road, by June, we were sold out for all of 2021 in terms of our custom processing slots. Uh, and I tell you, it hasn't gotten a whole lot better uh, since then. Uh, so if you were to call in today uh, and say, hey, I have a steer that I'd like you to process for me, uh, unfortunately, my answer would be, well, we're full for all of 2022. We have been for 10 months uh, or more than 10 months. We're also full for all of 2023. And we haven't opened up 2024 yet because we're trying to avoid booking an animal for harvest that hasn't even been born yet. Uh, and so right now we're still putting folks on our cancellation list and, and trying to get, uh, get you in if we have some no-shows. Uh, so it's a struggle. The hogs aren't quite so bad. We're able to sneak most of the hogs in. Of course, they don't hang so long, and so they don't take up that space in our cooler. Uh, but on a positive note, uh, with the expansion that we've just done, that has moved all our sausage making, our smokehouses, and then a lot of the packaging into a new building. So we've opened up a lot of room in our existing building, so we have more space to cut meat. Uh, and so having that space to cut meat solves one of the three challenges we have with being able to, to increase our custom slaughter capacity. So the other two challenges uh, that we're hoping to address in the future are uh, number one, we need to have more space to hang carcasses in the cooler. Uh, today we're just limited by uh, the amount of space uh, for carcasses in the cooler. And then if we can address that, the third thing is going to be, uh, can we find the staff to do the work? So. Um, we're planning to uh, work closely with the bank here and ensure that uh, we can 
uh, make the payments we've got on the project that we just took on, and I'm confident we'll be able to prove to them we can do that. And maybe Luke will be visiting before too long on uh, uh, another project to increase that slaughter capacity. That's wonderful. I know that you're involved with uh, many community organizations, especially the Edgewood Chamber. Since you came back home, let's talk a little bit about the Edgewood community. If you had to describe it to someone who's never been, what's so special about Edgewood? Yeah, you know, honestly, if I came back for this uh, this great business we have, the Edgewood Locker, but at the same time, a huge part of the reason why we chose, uh, my wife Brooke and I chose to move back here with our two kids uh, is because of this community. You know, I honestly, I'm not sure we would have made the same decision if the Edgewood Locker was in uh, a town that wasn't like Edgewood. And so uh, Edgewood's just an amazing place. Uh, you know, we, it might be just eight or 900 people, but uh, the amount of active, successful businesses here, the amount of passion that people in this community have for the community, uh, the amount of uh, volunteerism you see going into uh, all kinds of different events, whether it's uh, sports teams or whether it's the chamber uh, or whether it's events associated with uh, the Edgewood Colesburg School District. Uh, there's dozens of others that I didn't mention, uh, but people here for the most part are just proud to be from here uh, and they want to they want to have it uh, to be a great place to live not only for them uh, but for their children and, and that's pretty special I, I would tell you that uh, having lived in five or six different places in the last 10 years most of them uh, you know certainly bigger communities but uh, suburbs like Bettendorf or Ankeny or Shawnee Kansas uh, places like that, uh, I I did not experience the same sort of uh, hometown pride uh, that our little town of 900 people has. Yeah. Well, don't forget about uh, mentioning Edgewood Rodeo. Is uh, You and I are both on the Edgewood Chamber Board, which throws that uh, event every year, and it's a, a great event, and uh, we both have a lot of fun uh, running that event. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, can't forget the rodeo. Always a good time. <laughs> So if you had to give advice to someone wanting to start their own business or even a meat locker, what would you tell them? Yeah, um, I would say, you know, and I, I don't have firsthand experience on uh, starting my own meat locker um, because I had the, the good fortune of kind of growing up in the business. Um, but, you know, to me, I think one of the most important things is, is gaining different perspectives uh, and getting yourself maybe out of your, your comfort zone. So, uh, you know, if, if you grew up doing something your whole life and you never had another job and you go straight into it, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. A lot of people are, are very successful uh, and do that. But uh, I guess in my, my specific situation, I, I feel like there was a lot to be gained um, by doing something else uh, for a period of time, learning from other great business people uh, that might be in a, a different industry uh, than what you're familiar with. I mean, I, I spent... Uh, 12 years in, in the farm equipment business, and uh, now I'm meat processing, but I can tell you that a lot of the things I learned, not only from other folks at Deer Corporate, but from some of the great entrepreneurs that ran dealerships, uh, I'm able to apply a lot of those lessons uh, daily, even though it's a, a different industry. So um, gain different perspectives. Uh, I would also say, um, you know, at least in our situation, we're, we're growing uh, fast, we're, we're investing fast. And we've needed to, uh, unfortunately, we didn't have the, all the capital to make it work on our own. So we've had to go out and uh, work with a great bank. And having a great uh, business partner and bank like we've got here at Community Savings Bank uh, has really given us 
you know, the opportunity to grow. They, they've bounced different ideas off us in terms of how to, to set up our, our loans uh, and, and even loans that weren't through them that might be through USDA or SBA, things like that, talking through those openly. Um, you know, that's been a pretty key piece as well. Sure, it certainly takes a good partnership with a local bank to do these successful things. Luke, where can our listeners find out more information about the Edgewood Locker? You know, first of all, we'd love for everybody, if you're, uh, you know, anywhere near Edgewood, uh, to stop on in. Uh, ask for me, ask for uh, any of the other owners or, or anybody in, in general. We'd love to show you around and, and share our story with you. Uh, but in addition to that, I uh, certainly encourage you to check out our website, uh, check out our Facebook page. And uh, even if you don't do those things, uh, if you happen to be someone that, uh, say, you live, uh, you live in Cedar Falls, you live in Cedar Rapids, you live in Dubuque, uh, we've got pro- our products available close to you. So if, if you haven't tried them out, uh, go to our webpage, get the list of where you can find our products. And uh, I would bet that a lot of the places you can find them, uh, you're driving right by or maybe going to uh, anyway. So check it out. Awesome. Thanks, Luke, for being a guest on uh, this episode of the CSB Collaborative Podcast. It was great having you here. Thanks. We greatly appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of CSB Collaborative. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. CSB Collaborative can be found on Apple Music, Spotify, our website, or whatever method you're using to listen to us right now. See you next time. Community Savings Bank is a member FDIC and equal housing lender. Learn more at www.csbiowa.com.